0: up from Sweetwater today. We've known Letty for um, 20 plus years, and so Letty, we're thankful you're here today. We, we know it's a little long drive, but you're welcome to come every Sunday. Amen. Amen. Um, if you're interested in going on the missions trip, it is a, a trip to Honduras. We will be uh, doing several things, and so if there's a niche that you have, and you think, well, what are you doing? Well, we'll find you a place for your niche to be used, and we want you to be a part of that. Um, I'm sorry, Paige is going to be um, leading us on this end, and I'm going to be leading us on that end. So if you have any questions, uh, feel free to get a packet. We, uh, I think there is a final headcount on January the 29th, so we really need to get a good headcount this coming Wednesday night. If you're planning on going, and uh, we will work on some fundraising to make sure that financially you're able to go, Um, but we want to go and have a great time not only blessing um, others, but how many understand that there's something about going and giving and going and being a part of something bigger than you are that also blesses you? Amen? And so we want to go and grow in that experience and be a part of such a wonderful thing. Hey, ladies, I am so excited uh, to see all of you who went to the um, ministry this past Friday night. There were like 15 or 16 of you guys, and I know that you were blessed and you were encouraged. And so I'm so thankful that you guys were able to be a part of that. If you would like to be a part of the couples retreat, it is the 14th, 15th, and 16th uh, of February. It's coming around the corner in a few weeks. you know, I th- there might be a space or two left and we would we would hate for there to be empty spaces and so if you would like to be a part of that it's going to be a great time we have uh, Pastor Rich Bowl and uh, his wife um, Angel who are coming from Ohio and guys they are amazing um, th- he's going to come and actually preach for us that Sunday morning as well uh, he preaches at Winterfest for the Church of God the two different winter fests in the north, a dynamic preacher, just a dynamic connector, anointed man of God, and so not only is he going to come here and preach, but you guys who get who are uh, have the privilege of going to the uh, couple's encounter or couple's retreat, you get to spend time with these guys and laugh a lot and have a great time with their ministry to couples. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to First Samuel, I'll be... Jumping into First Samuel. How many know that God wants us to be people that are not just locked in the four walls, right? I mean, when we read what the Great Commission is, for all authority has been given unto me in heaven and earth, right? He says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He said, teaching them all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. That is the great commission that God's given us. God wants us to go outside of these walls to minister to our community, to our people. We, we have to transition from being a come, come all y'all here to being a go and tell church, right? Amen? God wants us to be a voice outside of these walls for the kingdom of God, for the glory of God, for the advancement of His kingdom. Amen? Amen. And I I, I get that, that, you know, we have to start where we are. We have to use what we have, right? We have to do what we can and trust God to do what we can't. And those are the the principles of what we do. I mean, we have to start somewhere. Amen? Amen. I mean, so therefore, the Bible says, go out and compel them to come in. So we go out and we share, we build relationships, we build community in order to uh, find people who, who we can invest in and we can entrust this message to. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited because uh, this coming Tuesday, me and Josh get the privilege of being mentors with Yoke at Heritage High School, and that's exciting, yeah. And and, and they're are they're actually Heritage Middle School I think, and so they're actually looking for other mentors. And if you would like to be a part of that, this is a great opportunity to be able to mentor some young folks to encourage them. Uh, Cash, you didn't come back to get my tie, did you? <laughs> he, he told me, he said, Pastor, you take that off. I'm, I'm going with. That's going with me. And, and I'm obliged to give it to him. <laughs> I'm about to choke myself to death here. <laughs> But you know, not only you know, I'm I'm excited because uh, not only are we getting the privilege to be a part of that, but also uh, Wesley, my oldest son, is, is serving as a mentor at Alcoa Middle School. And in other words, it's not just at one school, but it's an ability at Maryville Middle School. It's an ability at at uh, William Blunt, uh, whatever that middle school is there. It's it's open for others, and we are looking for people who are willing to reach out and touch some people. Amen? Amen. Let's go out and love people, because, you know, the reality is is that God wants us to go and plunder hell and populate heaven. Amen? And I believe there's a whole lot of people that are in, in, in bound and captivated by this world, and they need us to come out and show them that there's a better way. We need to show them that the love of Jesus can break the yoke and bondage of sin and can set them free and they can experience something that we have experienced. Amen? Amen. You look good this morning. Did y'all have your second cup of coffee? Time. I got plenty of time. I got plenty of time What y'all worried about. 1 Samuel chapter 20. Then David hid in the field, and when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now the king sat on his seat as at other times and on a seat by the wall, and Jonathan rose across from him, and and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. I'll say that again. David's place was empty. Verse 29 says, and he said, please let me go for our father has a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. Now, And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not, therefore he has not come to the king's table. In other words, they realize that he has not come to the king's table. I'm going to go back up to verse 26, and it says, Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He is unclean, or surely he is unclean. Father, I pray, God, that you would help us to recognize the responsibility that we have as brothers and sisters of Christ to encourage one another. God, help us to value, Lord, each other, and not only each other, but those who come in contact with the idea that we want to see them experience what we have experienced, that they can come also and And feel the the love of God and be transformed by your great love. God bless and encourage us today, in Jesus' name, amen. So you see them here in this passage, they've gathered together at the table, they've arrived at the feast, uh, and as they're arriving at the feast, they're sitting there and they recognize or discover that there's an empty seat, and and they recognize that that seat belongs to David. But Saul himself doesn't say anything about that. This morning, I want to talk to you just for a few moments about the empty seat. Can you say that, the empty seat? The empty seat. And so, once again, recapping Saul and his son Jonathan and the others have gathered together around the table. They're about to enjoy a meal. And as they're about to eat, they look around and discover the empty seat, realize David's not there. His seat is labeled empty. But for whatever reason, Saul does not even say anything about the fact that the seat is empty. You know, when I think about the empty seat around the table, I think about the dynamic of the church and what we uh, are called to be. You know, we, every uh, first of the month, every first Sunday of the month, we, we do communion, right? And sitting around that table, when you think about, uh, for many times, joining together around the Lord's uh, table, uh, the uh, there, there begins to be others partaking together a matter of fact the bible talks about when we get to heaven we're going to sit around the the table that will once uh, will be known as the marriage supper of the lamb right amen we oh it gets sweeter you know we we, we talk about that right and, and And as we enjoy this marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to sit around, we're going to talk about all the things that God's done in our lives. We're going to think about all that He's accomplished in us and through us. We're going to talk about the grace of God that was sufficient, that that allowed us to, to be able to be sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we're going to talk about those things. So I want to reflect on that just as David and Saul were supposed to be at the table together, but David's seat was empty, isn't it worth reflecting on that we can come to the Lord's house, that we can sit in a worship service together, that we can spend time praising God, listening to the Word of God, partaking in the Lord's Supper together, and it's possible that there could be seats that are empty with someone's name on that seat. Oh me, praise the Lord, help us Jesus, right? Worse yet, can we imagine that we're arriving at the marriage supper of the Lamb and that there could be people that God fully intended for them to be sitting at the table because we understand the Word of God says it is not His will for any to perish but for all to have eternal life. We see that in in 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slow to in keeping His promise as some has understood slowness. Instead, He is patient with you to perish but everyone to come to repentance that was, that is God's desire, he doesn't want anyone to perish so we get to this table and we recognize that there are seats empty at the table, there's still room at the table God help us amen but I don't want I, I want I don't know if if you've noticed it or not but the enemy wants to empty out seats I mean, how many understand that? How many believe that? You you get that. Matter of fact, I believe that there is a spirit that really tries to keep people from filling a seat at the table. And and, and it's not just a matter of fact. I mean, we can look at Nahum chapter 2, verse 2. And it says, for the Lord will restore the excellence of Jacob like the excellence of Israel. For the emptiers have emptied them out. Let me say that again. For the emptiers have emptied them out and ruined their vine branches. Whoa. So what this implies is that that there are personalities or people who have come in and tried to empty them out of what God was trying to build up. In other words, if you look at the connotation, it's talking about a nation. It's talking about a gathering of people who have come together for God. And these spirits have come and begin to empty out the gathering of those people. I want us to understand something. That the enemy aligns himself with the word that says that in John 10, 10 for the for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy wants to steal your joy. He wants to rob you of the very thing that God has in store for you. And thank God there's a follow-up of that word that says, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But we need to understand what the enemy's role is, is to steal, kill, and destroy, and to empty us of the very things that God has for us. So what we find with David is in this story is that he was not at the table because he was under an attack. He was fighting. He was going through some stuff. He was battling with all that he had on his own, and he was not at the table because his life was on the fight. It was a fight of survival. I mean, he, he, he was not, he was not. His seat was not empty because he, he was not interested in the meal. His seat was not empty because he wasn't interested in the fellowship. His seat was not empty because he didn't enjoy being at the king's table. His seat was empty because he was fighting an all-out war. He was battling in himself. I believe this morning when when we look around the building and, and we see seats that are that we, we, we have to ask the question, who does it belong to? Whose seat is that? Where have they been? What's going on? Are they are they people who, who fully intended on being here this morning, but for whatever reason they're under attack, they're they're caught off guard. The battle is in their life, challenges have invaded their home. Maybe it's the fact that there's a marriage struggle going on with with a very difficult time. Maybe it's because a child has, a son or daughter has come up with an idea that overwhelms and it just, it hits us right in our gut and, and we're fighting. None of you guys have ever been there, right? And what's amazing to me is that in this story, Saul is just sitting here and he sees the empty seat and he doesn't even say anything to the fact that the seat is empty. It's almost as though he's not bothered by it. It goes as far as to say that he knows something has happened to David, but he sits there in silence. You know, there's one thing about church folks, we're creatures of habit, aren't we? Mm Mm-hmm. Can I get a witness? Andy and I was talking about this in the back of the sanctuary the other day with a couple of people, and and she said, you know, because we're talking about where people sit. Cause y'all, you know, y'all were missing on it for a little <laughs> and, and what I, she said, you know, at school we're giving us, we're giving a seat at the beginning of the year, a signed seat, and we pretty much stay in that seat, you know, all year long or all semester long. She said, but when people choose a seat in church, they stay in that seat for life, right? I'm like, yeah, that's about right. It doesn't matter how big the building or how big you know uh, that it gets. Our tendencies always seem to be the same. We always kind of hover around uh, the same area. We gravitate to a certain section, to a certain row, to a certain seat, and we kind of that's where we sit, right? I mean, when somebody moves, like you know, they move move to the other side of the building. I'm to think, what? I start thinking, I missed them today. Well, Pastor, I was there. I just moved seats. I mean, like, what you move seats? <laughs> Holy cow! Amen, we do that, don't we? Uh, Matter of fact, you know, I'm sitting here talking about people getting their own seat, and Sunday after Sunday, we kind of tend to come to the same place. and, And if you're visiting this morning, you know, and you're thinking, oh, God, did I take somebody's seat? Don't worry, we're not that kind of people. We get here early enough, so you can't get our seat. I'm making a point that we often have a tendency to dwell in the same areas, in the same places, a part of the building. I mean, it's funny, but we'll go into a, we'll go into another church and still find the same area. You know what I'm saying? The same place. And it's possible that when you look down, there's someone that you are accustomed to seeing because you sit in that same area over and over again. You see that hey, that person's always there. It's kind of like being at school when you're assigned seats, or being at work and your 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 worker that works beside you, and you see them every day. And so, it's when you see that they're not there, you automatically triggers in your mind, well, "What's happened?" You know, I'm I'm accustomed to seeing them. I, I'm supposed to see them. They're supposed to be here. What happened to them? And yet, at the same time, we come to church and and, and we we expect to see somebody, and we they're not there. And oftentimes, we sit in silence as if as if nothing's happened. Lord Jesus. Why don't we say anything? Why don't we reach out? Why don't we say, hey, bro, what's up? You know, why don't we send a little text and say, hey, man, I missed you today. Or why don't we make that little phone call and say, hey, look, man, I didn't see you there. Are you okay? Everything good? But oftentimes we, we notice but don't say anything. We recognize and, and we let it pass by us, and we don't say anything. And, and sadly, is it so often we tend to look at that situation as, well, that's the pastor's role. There's Jessica, Matt. Y'all supposed to be sitting over here. See, I told you people throw me off and move around. But oftentimes we look at that as, well, that's the pastor's role. and and and, and, and I get that. And sometimes you'll have those who'll come and say, hey, pastor, so-and-so haven't been here in a couple weeks, did you notice? I'm like, well, no, but thank you for letting me know. Have you called them? Have you made the step? Have you have you tooken, taken the initiative to make a phone call to say, hey, I miss you? Because in reality, We are all responsible for our brothers and our sisters because we are one body and if we're functioning as one body, then the blood flows through all of us. We are kingdom people and we are all ministers of the gospel, servants of the king, and we have responsibility to love those who are around us and especially those who are connected to us. Amen. You know, there's times, I mean, look, Sunday nights are probably the hardest for me to go to sleep. Because I go home, and I sit there, and it rolls through my mind. I'm trying to think, okay, who, who did I miss today? Who's, who's struggling? You know, what, why were they out? You know, you know, then you have these, you know, halfback people who like to go down and spend a month or two in Florida, and it won't drive me crazy. I'm praying their vehicle gets torn. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not praying that. Alan's already, he's already told me, he says, Pastor, quit praying that my car keeps breaking down. I need it to get fixed. But, you know, I mean, I get that. Dude, one of these days I hope I have the ability to drive down to Florida and spend a month or two. But y'all don't miss the cold time. Y'all just might as well stay now. (laughs) God help us. But the thing is, is that, you know, you can ask Kathy. I come in on Monday mornings, and, and more often than not, I sat down in the seat right in front of her desk, and I said, Kathy, who was I missing yesterday? and we go through and say, well, so-and-so's, you know, sick, so and sick today, you know, so-and-so's sick, and they're struggling, and, and so, or this one's preparing for surgery, or this one's out of town, and, and we go through that list, you know, and what's hard is the fact that, in statist- statistically speaking, in today's uh, church culture, the, the average attender only attends one and a half services a month, I don't, I don't get that, but you know what I'm saying, and so what drives me crazy is is that if we had every single person that claims that this is their place of worship to show up at the same time, we'd probably have 260 to 300 people. Wouldn't that be awesome? Can y'all, can y'all just call everybody and tell them to come next Sunday? Oh, yeah, Super Bowl's next Sunday, so, but we're not missing the Sunday morning service. that folks are going, but when we look around, we see the empty seat. My mind's thinking, you know, who's been offended? You know, what's, what's, what's somebody said that's hurt somebody's feeling? What struggle are they having? What what emotional battle are they facing? What sickness are they covering? You know, and then I start thinking of, of da- sons and daughters of you know so and so son was there, praise God, and, and then so and so son was missing, and they really, you know, they were really struggling with their faith, and, and I start thinking, God help us, because there's empty seats and there's people who are walking the streets who need Jesus Christ, and what are we doing about it? And I hope you're catching what I'm saying this morning, all right? Because at some point, I believe every single one of us needs a burden for empty seats. We need to grab a hold of it. We need to carry it around. We need to think about it. Let it be a part of our mindset. There's an empty seat in front of me, and I just want somebody to fill that seat, right? Because... I'm so thankful that we have a prayer team that meets with me every Sunday morning and we pray. And and one of the parts of our prayers is, God, I pray that whoever comes in the doors today, God, that you would open their heart to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them. God, that you will fill an empty seat. And I pray that as we develop our prayer ministry, that we will have a group who's willing to come in before service every Sunday and go through and just pray for the seats so that God will begin to send people fill seats. I mean the thing is is that I pray that all of us are believing that when people come to MCO that they come understanding that though we don't know their face and though, though we have not met them and know their name, that they know without a shadow of doubt that we're praying for those who come and we're believing that for whatever reason they come that Jesus will meet them in this place and they will experience exactly what they need and be transformed by the power of His love and be, have have an ability to walk in the power of His grace. Even right now, I mean, maybe we should just take a moment and put our eye on an empty seat that's in front of us or beside us and ask the question who normally sits there? Who normally sits there? Where are they at today? What are they going through? And maybe it's a seat that that nobody normally sits in. And so then the question becomes, well who can I put in that seat? Who in my mind? I encourage you list three names that you can think of that needs to be in here. I'm not talking about thinking of them in judgmental ways, but I'm talking about somebody who's broken, who needs Jesus, who who you love and who you care about that you can think about that right now needs uh, to be in this place and needs to be encouraged by the Word of God. Who are they that you can go and encourage them and reach them and love them and build relationship and communication with so that they will desire to follow you into this place? The Bible talks about gatherers and scatterers. Kind of like going to Waffle House. You know, smothered, covered, scattered, and covered or something. And we look at this verse in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. It says, whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather, then scatters. Does not gather with me, scatters. So, I mean, so in reality, we are one of two camps. We're a gatherer or a scatterer. Now, I get it that some of us—it's just—it's just enough for us to gather ourselves. Come on, somebody. Jesus, have you looked at me in the mirror this morning? It takes a lot to get this thing ready, <laughs> and so it takes a lot, right? But the idea is that. Those who truly believe that Jesus is Lord will want to gather people to experience the same experience that they have experienced. It's a lot of experiences. I mean, if you look at the largest church in the United States, runs over 100,000 people in 20 different locations. And the question is, is, how did this pastor become a pastor? Well, you know, he was going to college, a local college, he was in a fraternity, and just happened one Sunday to go to church, and God radically transformed his life, and and, and he was radically saved, and, and he felt that he wanted others to experience what he experienced, and so what he did is he went back into his fraternity, and he started inviting these guys to come to church, and every Sunday, he would bring more and more, he would tell them, hey, I want you to come to church with me, you no, know, hey, you're going to church with me this Sunday, and, and, and so it got to where he filled a few rolls, and then a few, three or four rolls, and then by the time, uh, later on, he, it actually filled a whole section of the church. And the pastor one day, recognizing that this large group of young men were sitting in this section every Sunday, he, he stood up and said, I don't know what's happening in this section, but whoever's bringing all these people, would you stand up? so the young man, not looking for a pat on the back, not looking for you know, that kind of recognition, stood up humbly before the pastor. And the, and the pastor looked at the associate pastor and says, I don't know who he is, but hire him for this church. And i don't tell you guys, that's a true story. And today, that young man who was hired just because he felt an experience with God and became a gatherer, now pastors 100,000 people in 20 different locations because he recognized that his experience with God made him offended that there was empty seats in the church because he wanted other people to have what he had. probably don't use those terms anymore. We probably use the term bringer. Right? And so I pray that we would be bringers when we look at those we come in contact with that we that we love our place of worship so much that we would want others to experience worship in a worship gathering and experience the word That look like. How do I know if I'm a gatherer or not? How do I know if I'm one who brings people? And I think there's really three specific questions that we could ask that really would help us to flesh that out. And number one is: Is have you given anyone a reason to follow you to church? Have you given anyone a reason to follow you to church? Is your life a life that people would want to? Are you genuinely interested in someone other than yourself? Are you concerned about the well-being of the people around you from an eternal perspective? Do you really care about their soul, in other words? Do you really care about them? The fact is, is that, I'm not sure how you answered that question, but the the reality is, is that if you have not answered them in an appropriate manner, I pray that it will begin to be a prayer of your heart, God, make me more like you, God, help me to be more passionate, God, help me to have such a desire as you, that your word says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, so that I would humble myself and not think of myself too highly, that I would be willing to reach out and love people that seem unlovable, that I would be willing to reach out and help them at them and recognize if I will do it unto the least of these, my friend, that I've done it unto you. Those are questions that we have to ask. And the fact is, is that those who are emptiers are those who are with empty words. They don't have anything to offer. They're, they're those who, who are, are trying to appease or trying to discourage through empty words. We see that in Ephesians chapter 5, 3 through 6. But among you there must not be uh, even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or, or greed or covetousness because there's, these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talking, of course, joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Verse 5, For of, of these you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom who are emptiers. I mean, the fact is is that we get into our relationship with God and we're on fire. We're ready to go. We've we've, We've put the chips in. We say, we're all in. And at that moment when we say we're all in, we understand that we are disciples of Christ. We are on a journey to draw near to Him and allow Him to transform our lives. But guess what? When you're walking in the grace of God, there's someone who doesn't like when the enemy comes with empty words and tries to pull you out of your seat if he can just get you busy enough that you can that you get distracted from the original plan that God intended for your life that he gets you so busy that you keep from drawing near and you begin to become further and further away from where he intended you to be we get our, perspe- our perspectives out of whack we get our priorities We can look at stories in the Bible of where that happened, and we can see, for example, the prodigal son, who who sat at the at the table, who had the inheritance, if you will, and yet he chose to be distracted by the things of the world, and he walked away, and he lost sight of the plan. and And literally, as he was sitting there slopping hogs, and so hungry that he was willing to get out. father's table and even if I go back as a slave at least I would have a place to sit, a place to sleep, a place to eat and I'm so glad that God gives us the privilege to restore us because I look back at Nahum chapter 2 and I see for the Lord will restore of Jacob like the excellence of Israel. Emptiers will empty out, but the Lord restores. The fact is, is that you probably have some family members who've been emptied out. And if you really go back to the story of David, David had a reason not to be at the table. His life was being threatened and and, and later on we find the fact that comes back to the table, he could have come bitter, he could have come angry, he could have been belligerent because of the way he was treated and why he wasn't sitting at the table, but I recognize something about David, was that David understood that God's a restorer, and because God's a restorer, he recognized that he didn't want to be one like the previous administration, he wanted to be one who showed love and compassion and care. table and he saw the empty seat to the table and he looked around and says is there not anyone that can sit at the table and when the servant says well there's a son of jonathan his name is mephibosheth and he's lame on both feet and david literally brought him and sat him at the table and the bible goes on to tell us that 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 mephibosheth resided real because he was at the king's table every day. Look, David could have been bitter. Just like some of us who are sitting here this morning have been hurt or broken, who have been offended or who have struggled through something over the years because of good Christian church people. And you've heard me say this over and over again and I will continue to say it. Look, there's not a person in this room who is not broken. being restored, and we're being reconciled, and we're being renewed by God, and it is God himself who will one day present us as holy and righteous at the table, but until that time, we're still broken people, and broken people will do broken things, so don't look around and and see people that you think should have no better, or you think that should do better, the reality is, is that every single one of us will make mistakes, every single one of us will have a bad. do. And David was treated badly. He had a right to be uh, belligerent. He had a right to be angry. He had a right to be bitter. But he chose. Just as God restored him, he chose to restore us. Poor sons, I mean they, they sit by them because they have to. Are they? I'm tired of hearing, well, I used to go there. What happened? The reality is, is that if we would become responsible to recognize the people around us and be accountable Pam's here. Raymond's been in the hospital, and, and she's been AWOL because of that fact, because she's going to be there. You had Ricky Owens, who sits about three, four rows from the back over here, normally sits right there with his wife, had the privilege of marrying them as a couple. And, and I called him last week because I haven't seen him for two or three weeks. He said, Pastor, I've lost my job three weeks ago. He said, my wife had to take on an extra ship to cover until I could find a job, and so I haven't had transportation. And he said, I really will be there as soon as I can get a job. Do we know that? How many how many stories can we list off of people who have been sick or people who are preparing for surgery or people who have lost their jobs or people who are broken or people who are just yet, because I recognize, and I can't get them all, I can't get it all right, I, I miss people, and, 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 and I'm just being honest, okay, y'all love me through this, okay, especially when people only come twice a month, it's hard for me to say, have they been here or not, it's hard for me to say, are they regular tenders or are they not? So heart since Jack passed away she's not been able to come as much but here's another lady who's her husband passed away she's living by herself who needs some encouragement I could go on and list but I'm in Has been forgotten at times and say because I've been forgotten we